Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Go ahead and pull out your Bibles. Something to take notes with. Don't count on the screen this morning if you didn't realize that already. It's, it's, it's not faithful to us. It has a rebellious soul. Is it on sabbatical already? As all technology in church does. All right, open up to John chapter 4. We're going to be continuing our series that we've been starting, or we've been in these first couple of weeks of 2022, called Bring Me Another Jar. We believe that's the word that God is speaking to us this year. I hope that you uh, have been following along, and that if you haven't been able to be here, that you've listened back to some of the sermons from the last two weeks. It's important that we understand that these series are not just a bunch of one-offs. Like This is kind of a continuing conversation and a continue, continuing exploration for all of us to jump into what is this word that God's speaking to us. Bring, bring me another jar. First week we talked about 2 Kings chapter 4. Last week we talked out of Matthew 11. And um, if, if you were paying attention, I saw their work together. So you can expect that as we continue going into this together, God's going to continue explaining what it is that he's inviting us into this year. So we're going to be uh, doing, we're going to be in John chapter 4. When you're there, say I'm there. Amen. Go ahead and stand up for the reading of the word of God. I stained my Sunday jeans this morning. I kneeled on a chair and crunched a communion cup. So it's on my knee. Better, better than my backside, I suppose. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He's merciful, Sam. That's right. <laughs> I'm genuinely thankful for that. Anyways. John chapter 4, I have a, uh, a brief 47 verses, 42 verses for you this morning. <laughs> Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. Shout me down. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, Don't you like when the Bible gives you context for itself? Like clearly there's a backstory. <laughs> Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God... And who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. 
Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you've said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. <laughs> Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me. The hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ, when he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then, his disciples came back. And they marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking to her? So the woman left her jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out from the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? <laughs> I love when they talk, they all, it's all behind their back. Okay, don't ask him why he's talking to you. <laughs> we're all confused. <laughs> They've learned enough to keep quiet, but not enough to just let it ride. You know what I'm saying? All right, verse 34. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not, do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed of his word. They said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. Thank you, Jesus, for your glorious word this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to gather together. Thank you for everybody in this room. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here with us. That you're in us, that you're speaking to us through your word. Lord, we come to you to hear from you. That's why we're here. And I pray uh, that we would be open. Pray that we would be open and hungry. We worship your holy name. We come with expectation to hear from your word. From you, the Savior of the world. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and take a seat. We're going to be in part three of our Bring Me Another Jar series. Last week, our message was titled, Empty is Not the End. Week one, we talked about bringing God our empty jars, making empty moments, but empty is not the end. We bring Him our emptiness so that we might be filled. Amen? Yes. This week, I want to preach a message to you 
Part three, simply titled, Filled to Flow. Filled to Flow. When I was in uh, college, I had started following Jesus. I was part of uh, Antioch in Waco. I had started leading some things in the college ministry, and we did this retreat. The college pastor took some of the leaders on this on a retreat, and one of the exercises that we did is uh, we took some time, and he just said, I want you to go kind of get, get some personal space on this property or in this house, and we're going to take a little while here, and I want you to just write down and recap. Do you remember the first time you got got by Jesus? You know, that's the, that's the way he phrased it. What, when was the first time you got God? Do you remember the first time? Do you remember the first time Jesus just got you? I remember for me, I, I was a freshman in college. It was my first Wednesday night at Baylor University. Chad Freegie was a senior, and he had been going to Antioch. I knew him back from high school from around here, and he had called me and said, what are you doing tonight? I was like, nothing. Of course. I don't know anybody around here. And he's like, great, we're going to church. He picked me up, and we went to church. And I remember watching people. Uh, there's like 700 college students in this room, and they're all jumping up and down, worshiping Jesus, which I was new to me. And it uh, didn't really weird me out because there was something so real about it. It was like they actually loved Jesus. And I'm watching, kind of like, this is kind of crazy. And the pastor got up that night, and he preached this message about Jesus offering us adventure and intimacy beyond our wildest dreams. And I had grown up in church and read the Bible and done all this stuff. And I remember sitting there thinking, since when? Yeah. But it's like Jesus was on stage, and, and, and this, this pastor is basically like, this is my best friend. You've got to know about it. And I was just like, this is crazy. And uh, they kind of do some songs afterwards. Everybody's jumping up and down again. For some reason, I'm jumping up and down. I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> Nobody told me what to do. But uh, I, I remember it's the old Antioch Waco Sanctuary. Is the second row. If you're on the stage, it's this side of the room, right about where Mark's sitting, somewhere in there. During that worship song, nobody talked to me. Nobody touched me. I just, all of a sudden, I'm on the floor weeping, which I don't do. I don't, I'm not like weeping <laughs> No, like, like moaning and groaning and weeping and like what is happening and I just am like I don't know what's going on but this is crazy no, like, nobody did anything it just I don't know what happened and I met God that night I heard him speak to me really clearly like for the first time I wouldn't have language for it in that moment but I remember him speaking to me it was like I met God in the way to the world you know, it just I wasn't even hungry that night it was Chad's idea for me to go to church. I didn't even want to be there. I wasn't looking for God. I was actually kind of mad with God about some stuff that was really my fault. I know you've never been there. I didn't go down there looking for a new church. I didn't go to church looking for God that night. But just for some reason, God decided tonight's your night. In our first week, we read out of Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And they have hewed out cisterns for themselves. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. In Jeremiah 2, the living water. Cries out to his people through the prophet of Jeremiah. My people have forsaken me. And they've gone to create for themselves jars from their life. And they're all broken jars. And they can't hold any water. 
And in John chapter 4, in our text this morning, at Jacob's well in Sychar at high noon, Jesus, a tired man, weary from his journey, who also happens to be the living water that humanity has forsaken, asks a broken woman with nothing but an empty jar for a drink. Today's her day. The living water comes to a thirsty woman. What does Jesus tell us about this living water in our text this morning? Jesus tells us that this water, first of all, is living. This living water. What Jesus is talking about here in John chapter 4 has to be heard in context of Jeremiah 2. The living water we've forsaken, this is it in the flesh. The living, this living water that we have forsaken is available to us again, not because of our own merit, but Jesus says it is the gift of God. Jesus tells us that, that he can give us a drink of this living water. He tells us that he can give us a drink and he tells us that if we will ask, he will give us a drink. Jesus, the living water, tells us that if we receive this gift of God, of a drink from the very fountain that we have chosen to forsake, we will never thirst again. Not only will we never thirst again, but this drink of life that He gives us, this sip of living water will well up within us and become a stream of eternal life. Sir, give me a drink of this water. That's what we know about this water. What do we know about this woman? This woman that we meet. We know that all she has with her is an empty jar. An empty water jar. She clearly herself, we learn, is a broken cistern that can't seem to hold a single drop of life that she's tried pulling from every well she can find. We know about this woman, she is weary and she is heavy laden Mm -hmm. from living a life trying to draw from other wells. For her, this woman, her wells have been husbands. Before we get too judgmental about her and that crazy woman with all the husbands, we don't know much about the backstory of this woman, but... And I'm not saying this is all true, but these ought to be considered as we think about her. I mean, she's divorced five times. And in, in that day, the, I mean, the first time she could have been divorced could have been for anything as small as burning dinner. And no one would have looked down on the husband for walking away from her. And then, you know, once you're divorced once, especially in that culture, that's like, that's a scarlet letter for you. And now you become a scarlet letter for whoever might take you next. It could have been a big reason. We don't know. We know that marriage would have been this woman's only hope for a stable life. So as a divorced woman, she's poor. She has no property of her own. She has very, leg- very few legitimate job prospects out of offering herself. And who knows? Maybe it was an offering herself to try to put some food on the table that she was finding these other husbands. The only type of men that would take her. For a little while. The men probably got worse each time. 
marrying a divorced woman is different than marrying a woman who's been divorced two, three, four, five times. And been who knows where in between. If she has kids, there isn't relationship enough with any of them for them to help her out or to live with them, move in with them, be an asset to the household, become a loving member under their roof. I mean, what son-in-law wants this mother-in-law moving in? What son wants this mother moving in under his roof? If she still has parents, they would be ashamed of her by now. And who knows what the parent situation was. Maybe that's how she ended up in this situation in the first place. All I'm trying to say is, don't get distracted by her well. Husbands might not be your well. But you know what it's like. You know what it's like to still be empty. After drawing from wells that have promised you life time and time again. And this is who the fountain of life comes to. The fountain of life comes to this empty jar. Mm -hmm. This weary and heavy laden woman, this broken sister. This is who the fountain of life came for. Mm. Sir, give me this water. Says the thirsty woman. Mm -hmm. Sir, give me some of this water. And so Jesus' drink of living water is to tell her everything about herself. And he tells her with an accuracy that in any other situation would have brought serious condemnation. But somehow he says it with a love that sets her free. He says it with a love that brings freedom. And she doesn't know what to do. I mean, I wouldn't either. Can you imagine? <laughs> Just going to the well. Get some, get some water. And then this interaction happens. You know, everybody from around there probably knew about this woman, but, but Jesus, we learned, he's not from around here. Yeah. He's not from around here. She doesn't know what to do with what's happening, and you can kind of tell she's flustered. So she, she, she's talking to Jesus about water and jars and wells and all these things. He talks about this living water thing. She's a little thrown off. Okay, well, but I know enough to know that sounds good. So, sir, give me a drink of that water. Well, go get your husband. Here's what's going on with your whole life. She tells, or he tells her all of that. And she's, her head's spinning. And all of a sudden, she's talking about mountains and worship and who's what ethnicity. I don't know how we got from water to that. <laughs> she's kind of like, what's going on here? Apparently, there's a prophet here. I should talk about God. All I know about God is that the Jews think he's worshiped there. We think he's worshiped here. She doesn't know what's going on. And she doesn't know what she's talking about. But she is drinking from the fountain. And she doesn't know what to do with it. She didn't come looking for it. She didn't come asking for it. The fountain decided it was time for a drink. She is drinking from the fountain. And Jesus tells her, woman, you don't really know what you're talking about. <laughs> Listen to me, woman. Let me talk to you about this God you're trying to talk about. He says, woman, you don't know, you don't really know what you're talking about. And she's basically like, I know. I have no idea what I'm talking about. All I know is that when the Messiah comes, he will tell us all things. Yeah. And Jesus says, Jesus, the one to whom all things have been handed over by the Father, chooses to reveal to this little child 
I who speak to you and me. She drops her empty jar, goes to town, and the woman with five ex-husbands living with her new boyfriend starts telling all of her neighbors, come, see a man. So while she's in town, talking to everybody about this new man she found, <laughs> the disciples are with Jesus, trying to figure out what's going on too. They know enough to be confused about what's happening, but they know enough not to ask too many questions, but somebody's got to speak up. <laughs> they start talking to Jesus about getting him something to eat. They're like, okay, that's where we left off. Jesus, you stay here. We're going to go get some food. Let's, let's pick up our conversation there. Jesus, do you need something to eat? And, and as they're discussing Jesus' lunch, this town that the woman's from and has gone back to, who knows about all her men and has said, come see a new man, they start coming out to the well. It's a lot happening. So they're... Jesus, the disciples are talking to Jesus about his lunch. The woman's talking to town about a man. The disciples are looking at Jesus and each other. The woman's leading this town full of skeptical people who don't know what to do with her out back to the well. And Jesus says to his disciples, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do not say four months and then the harvest. Look, look. Lift up your eyes. Look who's coming. Look at everybody coming out towards us. Look who's headed our way. See, the fields are white for harvest. There is reaping, there is sowing. The reaper and the sower will rejoice together. And right now, look, you're about to reap what somebody else sowed. Later, they're going to be sent out to start sowing stuff that we would read. Yeah. But for now, look, look. Mm. And many Samaritans believed. Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. Let's talk about the food of Jesus. We've, if you're into alliteration, we've talked about water. We've got this woman, and now we've got work and the will. The work of God and the will of God. What, what, what is this that Jesus is talking about? Jesus says, I, my food is doing the will of him who sent me. Well, what is the will of the Father? The Bible tells us the will of the Father is that all men would be saved. This is the will of God. The will of God is that all men would be saved. So Jesus says, my food is to do the will of the Father... But he's, he's doing the will by accomplishing the work. Yeah. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. So the will that we're after, the end that we're after, the thing we're pursuing is that all men would be saved. But the work that we're doing is what we talked about last week. The will we're after is that all men would be saved. But the work of God is the Son revealing the Father. The work of God is revelation. The will of God is relationship. 
Jesus says, this is my food. To do the will of God, see people saved by doing the work of God, by revealing the Father. Church, you do the work of God so that God can accomplish the will of God. That's what we're talking about this morning. That's what we've been headed towards and that's what we're going to talk about the rest of our time. Your food is to do the work of God so that God can accomplish the will of God. Jesus did the work of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus did the work of God. We talked about this all last week. What was the work of God? What were all things that the Father handed over to the Son? It was the revelation of Himself. The Father told the Son everything about Him, and then the Son says, now I reveal that to everyone who I choose to reveal it to. Who does He choose it to reveal it to? Well, He does the will of the Father, and it's the Father's will that all men would be saved. So Jesus is revealing Himself to everyone. He's revealing Himself to everyone, but it's reserved for the little children. So Jesus does the work of the Father by the Holy Spirit so that the Father could accomplish His will through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. The work of God is knowing Him and making Him known. The will of God is for the world to drink of the living water. So what do you need to do? Know we're on the right track because it's quiet. Got you thinking. That's good. That's good. It'd be dangerous if you were shouting me down right now. What do we need to do with this? What do we need to do here? What are we learning from Jesus this morning? What you need to do, you need to partner with Jesus in the will of the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about the Trinity the last few weeks. We're trying to sneak that in for you. Trying to give you some teaching and some theology on what's the Trinity and how does it work. I don't want you to miss it because God knows what He's doing. We need God to be exactly the way He is. So we should know Him exactly the way He is. You need to partner with the Son in the will of the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what you need to do so that the Father can accomplish His will through you as you follow the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's where you fit in. If this sounds bonkers, it is. You get to get baptized like into being a co-heir and son of God along with Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Don't ask me how it works. I'm just telling you it's true. See, the Father has fields that are white for harvest. And He has sent His Son into those fields to do His will and accomplish His work. You are invited to be yoked to Jesus by the Holy Spirit to join Him in doing the will of the Father so that the Father can accomplish His work. So how do you get yoked to Jesus? There was somebody here last week. How do you get yoked to Jesus? Prayer. 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 Prayer, there's the answer. Pop quiz, here's the answer. Prayer. This is your job. This is, this is what you do in response to the Word of God. 
This is what you do in response to the revelation of Jesus. You pray. You pray because what is prayer? Prayer is the practice of yoking yourself to the person of God. Yoking yourself to the kingdom of God. Yoking yourself to the will of God. So that you can be yoked to Jesus. What's Jesus doing? He's feasting on the Father. Which is to do His work. Or to do His will by accomplishing His work. Jesus is harvesting the fields that are white for harvest. And He's feasting on it. Because it's the will of God that all men would be saved. How are men saved? They are saved by a revelation of who God is. Who gives them a revelation of who God is? Jesus does. How does Jesus do that? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Who lives in you? The Holy Spirit. What has the Holy Spirit accomplished in you? He has yoked you to Jesus. Who is walking up and down the fields. Harvesting for the Father. Because Jesus only does what He sees the Father doing. And He says what the Father is saying. Jesus has been sent to the harvest in the fields. Jesus is the sower in the parable. He is the reaper. And we get to yoke ourselves to Him in prayer. We get to yoke ourselves by surrender, coming under, bringing our empty jars, saying, God, I'm empty. You don't need my work. You don't need my will. I need to be yoked to you, Lord Jesus. I have nothing outside of me. I don't need you to fill me with tasks. I don't need you to fill me with Bible verses. I need to be filled by knowing you. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and know me. See, the disciples, they got called because there were empty jars. And Jesus has been filling them with the revelation of himself. And now he looks at those who are coming and he says, you better get ready to flow with what you've been filled with. Come on now. You are not empty just to be empty. Bring me another jar is not about being empty. Empty is not the end. You are empty so that you can get filled. And being filled is not the end. You are filled to flow. You are filled to flow. You are filled with the living water. So that when you believe in Jesus, as the scriptures have said. What is scripture? It's the revelation of Jesus. What is the revelation of Jesus? It's the revelation of the Father. How is this dead book a revelation of Jesus? By the Holy Spirit. Are you done with your other wells yet? (laughs) Are you done with your other wells yet? Can you taste it? Can you taste the living water? Just come to him, sir. Give me a drink of this living water. And Jesus says, let me explain myself to you. (laughs) I am the living water. Praise the Lord. What is God speaking to you in 2022? Go get empty jars. Go. Knock on every door you can find. Go get empty jars and not too few. Go get empty jars. Find empty moments. Make empty moments. Get empty time. Do what it takes to get empty time. Because everything else, you're a broken cistern without me and you can't even hold the water that's pouring into you. It's why you stay there. Okay. Are you tired of your other wells yet? 
See, we would, we would run from our other wells a whole lot faster if we realized they weren't filling us. But let me say something that comes before that. We would pursue a lot fewer wells if we knew before we started running after them that they were empty. Thank you, Jesus. See, I'm saying like the new shoes, the promotion, all the New Year's resolutions you have, they're great. That's fine. That's fine. Go after them. Do it. Reach your goals. All this stuff. But they're broken cisterns. So there's things that we save up for in life, right? Because it's like, I just want to get that thing. And there's, maybe there's nothing wrong with the thing, but would you still pay that much for it if you knew that the second you got it, it was broken? That's how you need to evaluate what you're giving your life for. If I get this thing, if I sell my soul and gain the whole world, would it still be worth it if I realized the world I got was broken? Come to me. Come to me. Jesus is inviting you. Come to me. Get empty. Get empty. But in Jesus Christ, empty is not the end. Get empty and come to me that you might be filled with a revelation of Jesus. Use your empty moments to yoke yourself to him so that he can fill you with a revelation of who he is. But getting filled isn't the end either. This man, Jesus, he is the fountain. He is the fountain of living water. And when you believe in him, as the scriptures have said, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. When you drink from his cup, the sip of him wells up into streams out of you unto eternal life. There are people in your life who don't know Jesus. They are thirsty, they are broken cisterns, they are empty jars, and they need a drink of living water. And you can give it to them. Because you've got a river of it in you. We all know we should be sharing Jesus more, but we don't do it more. I know I should be sharing Jesus more, but I don't do it more. I won't throw you under that bus. Because you're probably not like me. This year... The fruit of bringing him our empty jars has to be other people getting a drink of living water. Mm-hmm. And evangelism, sharing Jesus with people in your life, is not going to come by me getting you more excited about it through a series about it and me shouting real loud. I'm still going to shout real loud, don't worry. I'm just not hoping that that's going <laughs> to... It's not going to come by you knowing you should be doing it more and it's not going to come by me doing a series on hell. We can only do the work of God when we are yoked to Jesus by the Holy Spirit and that only happens in the place of prayer. As we bring God our empty moments this year to be filled with prayer, we have to use those moments to pray for those who don't know Him. Yoke yourself to Jesus and partner with Him in the work that He's doing in the harvest that you live in. Who in your life doesn't know Jesus? Who in your life doesn't know Jesus? The Lord is asking you to pray for them. The Lord is inviting you to pray for them. Ask God to help you taste their thirst. That's what intercession is. 
That church word intercession, it means God let me feel what that other person's feeling who's far from you. That's what it means to stand in the gap. You know, it's like, no, no, I, that's what real, don't listen to the world telling you to live a life filled with empathy away from the Holy Spirit. Yes. Say that again. Okay. Say it I'm going to take some extra time this morning. Okay, empathy, empathy's great, but, but um, careful. Because it turns into a weight that you weren't built to carry. You're supposed to be yoked to Jesus. What is empathy when I say that? I specifically mean this, this, this idea that what we should be doing to love people is by taking on what they're feeling inside of myself and I should feel it. And so the most loving thing I can do is like get to the place where you're at. That's not synonymous with understanding. Do you hear that's different? I can understand what you're going through. I can listen to you. I can value you. I can be patient with you. See, um, the, the list of love in 1 Corinthians 13 or the list of the fruits of the Holy Spirit are all going to be better things first than empathy. Right. And I'm not saying empathy is a bad thing. I'm just saying it's very rarely a first thing. Um, because uh, it might be a part of love, but it's not the whole thing. You know, like... I, I want to listen to you, but, 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 but what you need from me is joy and peace yeah. and patience and kindness right. and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness. And you need my self-control to listen and not judge and not jump to conclusions and all of those things. Right. And then at some point, there's going to be some people in your life who will be able to have empathy for you. And when they have empathy for you, that is going to provide a deep place of healing. But that's for a few people, not for everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so, so, so if not everybody's given that to you, that's okay. Yeah. It's not that nobody loves you. It's that not everybody's built to carry the weight that you're carrying. I can help you with yours. I want to come alongside of you, but that requires me to be strong, not for me to partner with you in your weakness. Mm. I'm trying to encourage us to be the church. The world needs us. Okay, so don't hear me trash in empathy. It is a powerful thing in the right place at the right time. But it can also be immobilizing when it's put in the wrong place at the wrong time. I don't even know how I got here. (laughs) Empathy with the Holy Spirit. Okay. The empathy that we're called to in the church is intercession. Intercession is not something you do in your own strength. Don't even try it. One, it's not real intercession. And two, it's going to destroy you if you try to take on the way to the world. Intercession is yoking yourself to Jesus by the Holy Spirit to partner with Him as He's working out the harvest in somebody else's life. So that's why I can open myself up to empathy in the place of prayer by following the example of Jesus under the strict, inflexible connection of abiding in Him through the Holy Spirit. Not my own ideas, not what an Instagram influencer told me, not what my my friend going through something told me. And they're mad at me because I didn't understand it the way they wanted to understand it. I need to learn from Jesus. I need to learn from Jesus because when I partner with Him and yoke to Him by the Holy Spirit in the place of intercession, I get to partner with God. And I get to see the will of God accomplished by doing His work. Which may or may not be 
somebody loving what you did or how you understood or whatever. Here's what happens when you're yoked to Jesus. What are we supposed to do with all of our burdens? Cast our burdens on Him. Okay, so you are not called to live your life just picking up more burdens and that makes you a godly person. That's what empathy is. Here's my burden. We need to go to Jesus, cast our burdens on Him personally, and then partner with Him as He carries other people's burdens. Because He's just that good. And we we learned last week, He's the strong ox. He's the strong ox. Praise the Lord. So as you're yoked to Him, there's going to be times where you are yoked to Him, carrying other people's burdens. But what we need to do with other people's burdens is we need to learn from Jesus. See, like we always talk about, the system is rigged. You can't walk with Jesus without walking with Him. You can't be yoked to Him without the yoke. Like, okay, so the beauty, the, the, the brilliance of Jesus, the love of Jesus for you and for the world is that you get yoked to Him so that you only carry what He's carrying, how He's carrying it, when He's carrying it. And you learn from Him. So the world gives you a burden. Your heart feels it. Your mind feels it. Your life feels it. All these different levels. Step one. Get yoked to Jesus. Don't just pick it up and start running with it. Yoke yourself to Jesus. Jesus is this mind to pick up. Step one. Step two. Okay. How can I carry this right now? Okay. Let's start doing that. Sometimes that's five minutes in prayer. Have you ever been in the place of prayer? Something drills you. And you're like, God, you know, it's like, God, you gotta move. You know, it's like, I can't, I can't get my mind off this. Like I am gripped by this. And then like six minutes later, it's like, (sighs) (laughs) that was weird. (laughs) That's the yoke of Jesus. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad I came to church. Jesus is like, thank you for carrying it. I needed you to take it those six minutes. It's my burden. I invited you to partner with me for those six minutes. If you go past this six minutes, it's all on your shoulders. Praise the Lord. Is this mine to carry? Okay, how should I carry it? When and where do I put it down? And I can't tell you what fits in what category. That's why you're yoked to Jesus. Don't call me with that question. I'll spoil the phone call right now. Ask the Lord. Don't put your burden on me. Are you tracking with me? I'm trying to help you. Why? So that you can carry as little burdens as possible? No. No. It's not so that you can have the easiest life possible. It's not so that you don't have to listen to people and understand. That's why I said do the fruit of the Spirit first. Have fun with those. (laughs) Because God's the strong ox. And when I carry something outside of the way He told me to carry it, I'm not carrying it in faith. 
Because I'm trusting in my strength more than his strength. No, God, what you need is for me to take care of this. And anything not done in faith is sin. And the wages of sin is death. Harvest not, is not going to come that way. Jesus has called you to eternal life. To partner with Him. As He, as he reaps His harvest. See, we've got to be a strong church. Which means we can't spend our time wearing ourselves out, carrying burdens Jesus didn't ask us to carry. Because by the time we get to the one that is ours to carry, we got nothing left in the tank. Because we got prideful, and we got arrogant, and we got the fear of man on us. Wearing ourselves out, running somebody else's race. Yoke yourself to the Lord in prayer. Yoke yourself to the person of God. Practice yoking yourself to the kingdom of God. Yoking yourself to the will of God. And I'm asking you, and God's asking you and inviting you to do that for those in your life who don't know Jesus this year. All of that to say, intercession. That's what it means to intercede for your friends who don't know Jesus. Get in the place of prayer and say, Jesus, teach me to pray. Teach me to pray like someone who's tasted the living water, but help me experience again for just a quick second what it was like not having it. And now, oh God, give them a drink. Oh God, soften their heart. Oh God, give me a way to fill their cup today. Oh God, open up the door this week for me to ask them. Oh God, give me strength and mercy and power by the Holy Spirit to be a witness to you when I walk past them in the neighborhood street, when I walk past their cubicle today. Oh God, when I walk past them, grip me with their thirst. Oh God. Pray. Pray. And then then testify. Jesus says you'll be filled with power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. Witnesses see something and they say something. That's all they do. A really bad witness hasn't seen anything. (laughs) See him in the place of prayer. Come and see this man. I've seen him. And then a witness who doesn't say anything is a pretty bad witness too. Now take heart. She was an awful witness. She was a terrible testifier. Come and see this man. Could he be God? Could this be the Christ? I don't even know. I don't even know who this guy is. We should come see him. If she can invite people to church like that, imagine what you can do. Come and see this man, Jesus. As people are going through stuff, I know what that's like. Because you do know what it's like. I don't care what the details are, everybody's empty. I do care what the details are, you know what I'm saying. I know what it's like to be empty, and all I know is I got filled. I got filled, you should come see this man. Well, okay, yeah, but what about this? What about all this stuff that I'm smart and know about? And what about all these hard things that have happened in my life and these things that I can't get emotionally past? What about all these questions that are so hard to answer? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's God. I don't know. Don't ask me. Like, come see this man. Why should we come see this man? I don't know. He might be God. (laughs) All I know is that he told me everything I ever did. That's all I know. You got to come see this. You got to come see this. All I know is I came to Jesus and he filled me. 
That's all I know. You come to see him because what's going to happen is that people are going to come to him. And what's going to happen is Jesus is going to talk to them. And when Jesus talks to them, they're going to taste the living water. And when people taste the living water, they're going to look at you and they're going to say, I don't believe because of whatever you said. I came and I heard from myself. This indeed is the Savior of the world. I have tasted and seen that God is good. You are filled with Jesus. Flow. 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 Let the river of eternal life flow out of you. Bring people to Jesus this year. Stop worrying about what you don't know how to say. If you can ask them the question, could he be God? You can do exactly what the Bible says. This woman was a revivalist. The whole town turned upside down. Could it be God? So I challenge you to do that this year. Who are one, two, three people in your life right now who don't know Jesus? Pray for them. We're going to start doing this in life groups every week. This is going to be part of your normal rhythm in life group, Acts 2.42. One of the four things that happens is prayer. And this is one of the ways we're going to be praying. So if you go to life group, expect this to be happening. It might be the last five minutes, but this is, this is a rhythm. Communion's a rhythm. Talking about the Bible's a rhythm. You tracking? Yeah. yeah. We're going to spend a couple minutes praying for the people in your life who don't know Jesus. What would change in your life if for the next six weeks you prayed with your friends at life group for the person you see every Thursday? Maybe it's going to take longer than six weeks, but maybe they're worth it. Right. Maybe they're worth it. So I invite you to do that. That's how we're going to do it corporately in life group. If you're wondering where do I start to pray, how do I build a prayer list? Who do I pray for? Because, come on, this is one of those things that gets funky because you're like, ah, Andrew, you're a pastor. You're probably good at this. I've never done that before. You know? So your, your, your greatest tool for prayer is the Word of God, first of all. Second of all, your second best tool for building a prayer list is your calendar. Mm. Who are you going to see today? What are you going to do today? Yeah. Start there. Yeah. Start there. You going to see your wife today? Pray for her. Yeah. You going to see your kids today? Pray for them. You going to see someone else? <laughs> Who are you going to see today? Yeah. At your 2 o'clock meeting. Mm. And what, what's on your calendar? Just pray. God, I pray for these people that they would taste the living water today. Lord, I pray that this person would know that indeed you are the Savior of the world. Lord, I pray that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit as we go into that meeting and we have that conversation and I do this with my kids and I cook this for my family and would, I pray that you would fill me with a revelation of you that flows out of me in everything I do today. That's a good two-minute prayer time. And you can go longer than two if you want. Amen. Amen.